Welcome to the Extra Podcast, uh, episode number 265. This is Pastor Paul Siemens here hosting this today, and I also have with me Pastor Johnny Markin. Hey, Paul. Hey, Johnny. Good to see you here. And Imran Daniel, our Associate Pastor of Missions. Hello, Paul. Hey. Kiala. Welcome here. Oh, Thank yes. you. Oh, tika. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good to be back on online. Last week there was a takeover by a robot, and uh, we were all pushed out of here. It was it was a little scary. Yeah, it was and, on the edge. Yeah, um, but thankfully uh, we were able to... This kind of happens in summer, right? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, uh, Brian Schmulin was able to get in there and, and turn him off, and it was okay. <laughs> he wrestled it to the ground. Yeah, yeah. That was a little scary. It was an episode but... of Aliens or something. <laughs> But he did keep it short and sweet. He was very efficient. <laughs> Which I liked. Unlike, unlike when Jeff's here and you never know what's going to happen. Well, so I, I, I kind of measure my, my runs by how long the podcasts are sometimes. Right. And so, uh, you know, I thought, I'm glad I didn't choose that one. It was a really short run. Right. Yeah, most people were very, like, they thought it was funny and everything. And one gentleman that I met last week, I was talking with him and I said, hey, did you hear the podcast this week? And he's like... Uh, no, I haven't yet. I normally I listen to it, you know, Wednesday mornings, but I didn't. And I said, "Well, okay, let me play it for you. It's really short." And so I played it, <laughs> and he was like, "I'm so glad I didn't find that this morning. I would have been so angry." <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how uh, uh, how many faithful listeners we have, and we thank you guys for being here. We're glad that we can serve you this way. It's good. Mm. So uh, we are in the middle of the. Canadian Football League season, and all you CFL haters, sorry, but we're going to talk, uh, being truly Canadian, I'm apologizing for talking about Canadian football. A longer lasting, a longer enduring league than the NFL, actually. Hey, can, can yeah, I, it's been around a long time, for sure. Can I say something about the CFL? Yeah. Okay, so I, I have no clue about this game at all. So I was given uh, free tickets, uh, the best seats in the house, pretty much. Nice. Uh, it was their opening game, mm-hmm. BC Lions playing against Calgary. So I go there with my wife, my father-in-law, another friend of ours. So four of us there. I had no idea about the game. I was so confused the whole time. <laughs> like, what's up with the handkerchief every so often? Like, they keep <laughs> dropping them down. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, oh, the referees and the coaches and the TV times out. Like, the guy comes, like, who's taking a nap, and, like, five minutes later, he comes, kicks the ball, and go back take a nap again. It's yeah. like I'm watching a baseball. Everyone's drinking the Gatorade or green tea back there and they come and just go, seriously. <laughs> drinking the green tea. So, what, you, you, what, what, are your, what are your games of choice? My, is it cricket? Uh, soccer. You, you like soccer, but do you yes, like cricket brother. as well? Uh, yeah. See, cricket's Cricket another... is way better than baseball, by the way. If she, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it, that's to be debated amongst the purists <laughs> yeah. when you've got a game that can take five days to play in it an international is, test match and still end in a draw. Th- that doesn't, 20, go, doesn't fly with a well. North American audience, right? Th- there's 2020 as well. That's more exciting <laughs> sure, than anything. Sure. No, I, I actually like cricket. That, I lived in, in England for 12 years. Yeah. And so being able to understand the merits yeah. of the game, went, I, I, I like it. I like baseball better. I think it moves quicker. And, uh, <laughs> it moves? How? There you go. <laughs> well, at least the game's good. only three hours. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. Instead yeah. of three days. Yeah. Except well, when the Blue Jays are playing lately because there's a lot of extra innings being played and then they lose. Mm. 
which is but they're at the top of their division. Are they uh, not? They're just behind. Just okay. behind. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. why did it guys? So, all, all so these do you want us to talk the about field. that? The, hang, the handkerchiefs? Yeah, so what's up with that? Like, so the yeah, referees the throw the handkerchief when there's a penalty Okay. That, sh- that says, okay, yeah, this play happened, but let's talk for a second because some, somebody broke a rule. And then when the handkerchief goes, so the ref comes, he announces what the penalty is. Well, first he probably talked to the coach and said, uh, okay, do you want to accept this penalty or decline it? What? Yeah, I know. They it's give a little the options. options. So, and not the coach of the team who committed the offense. Right. But the defensive team. The offended or The offended team, team. yes. Better, better. See, you just listening to this, I'm confused. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't get that. Okay. It yeah. might be to their advantage to decline yeah. taking the yardage because that's yeah. what you're usually rewarded is a few extra yards. Yeah, yeah. I should probably go attend CFL one-on-one classes or something like that, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe make that a TLC class here. <laughs> right. yeah, that's a, CFL right. one-on-one. Yeah, Paul, you're a big CFL guy. You were at the same game. You, <laughs> I was you, there. Lion were you at the game? Yeah, yeah. It was great. Oh, I should have said next. It year. was actually the first half stunk. Honestly, yeah. And then it was, came but back. then the Lions came back in the second half. Yeah. This last week's game was far more exciting. I was just watching the score. Even though like, the outcome wasn't good. But yeah. this last week was a 44 to 41 Low scoring defensive affair. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, good stuff. Yeah, anyway, that was my experience. All so. right. I'll have to go to a game with you, Imran. Yeah, sure. And be, uh, yeah. I can talk all game, which I'm good <laughs> at. Um, all right, so Johnny's here as well, though. He wants to talk about um, something happening with our worship department and something Northview is putting on here regarding worship. Yeah, we have a real heart for training uh, worship leaders, and you know, we, we do have a lot of worship teams, and that requires having a lot of worship leaders active in the church every week. And uh, we also have a heart to uh, pair with a lot of the, our partner churches and, and friends in ministry. And so we're putting on something called the Worship Leader Institute this fall, where people who are actively already involved in worship ministry leading, uh, we're going to open up some classes, uh, a series of four classes, and we've got some guest lecturers coming alongside some of the teaching we'll do. We've got people like uh, uh, mm. Pat Sabell from Crossway Church, David Squires mm. from Trinity Western, Brian Dirksen's going to do one of the sessions, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, Stacy Gladysmith from the Worship Arts Department at CBC. And uh, together we're going to try and bring some theological strength to the table as we teach people about the biblical principles of, of worship. And uh, so often what happens is that, like myself, a, a musician, and they say, hey, you're going to be the worship leader, worship pastor, and you might uh, be able to do the music side of it, but you're not always sure what it is you're supposed to be doing. You, you sometimes just find yourself throwing your hands up in the air going, what am I supposed Give me some direction. So the best place that uh, we've found is to actually go back to the Scriptures and find out what worshiping biblically really is. And mm. so we're going to do some classes on that, and so we're going to be announcing uh, some of the dates and uh, what that, uh, how to sign up for that in the next uh, week or so. So this will focus on, I mean, obviously things such as worship, like the worship music will be talked about, but probably other elements of worship yeah, as, listen, too, we, as we, well, We're right? trying not to make it a, a course about music. There's right. plenty of uh, festivals and conferences and, yeah. and courses you can go on to study music. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is to help undergird the structure uh, and the content of what we put into our music. Those are the three elements of every church service. And so often we set, sit back and just point at the style of what a church does, rather mm. than worrying about the content. What are you actually singing about? Who are we singing about? Are, who, who have we made worship for? Is it about mm. what we like or what God likes? So those are important questions that we wrestle with, and we want to give the tools to worship leaders to be able to 
design services and to prepare worship and select uh, readings and um, psalms and songs that reflect a biblical approach to worship. And uh, as we've been teaching this to our own in-house leaders, there's been uh, a great deal of positive affirmation about the kind of material we're teaching. They've loved it, and we want to just make that more widely available. Cool. So who can come to this? Uh, it's going to be for worship leaders who are actively leading in worship but don't have time to go to take a course somewhere. This will be just like a Saturday um, morning and afternoon uh, once a month for about four months. Uh, we'll take a break in December, but we're going to start in the fall and, uh, and run that. And so we'll try and keep it at a discussion-level-sized group so you can do a lot of Q&A with the guests that come in and, uh, and, and ask a lot of questions as we go. And uh, one of the TLC uh, courses this last year uh, got a chance to teach through this biblical uh, essentials of Christian worship course, and it's really great to see the lights go on and people who aren't even involved in worship teams who are saying, ah, now I get what you guys are doing when you're when we come to church, and we see what selections you've got, and you see why you've placed this in this order. Is actually a lot of... Um, uh, understanding of the biblical side of worship that helps us to form our service order. Our liturgy. Our, our liturgy. Hmm? You we, and I are out. We can't attend the worship. Yeah, no, no. no. Uh. Isn't, the, isn't the preacher traditionally thought of as the, the actual worship leader of the service? Yeah, yeah. depending on, on, your, on your format, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you're uh, James Torrance uh, and, and you're writing books about Trinitarian worship, you may say, ultimately, uh, Christ is our worship leader. He is the great high priest, and everything flows from him anyway. Very so, true. There you mm. go. Amen. And Imran, what about, like, um, you coming from a Pakistani background, right? Right? Yeah. You. What year did you come to Canada? 2008. Oh, 2008. And you yeah. grew up as a Christian, correct? I grew up in a Christian home. A Christian yeah. home, yeah. yeah. So what, what are worship services? What do they look like over in Pakistan? Are they very similar to what we do here? Like you start with singing and then there's... Or, or, or is it a lot more traditionally liturgical where you have like uh, prayers of confession and, and prayers, of assur- or prayers of assurance and things like that? Or no, how it's, does it go? It's, it's very similar to what we do here in Othvi, Um unless you go to a traditional um, church. Um, the church I grew up, it was like, so you go there. Uh, I actually used to lead worship, just so you know, Johnny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> sweet. So, I've heard you sing and play the harmonium. Yeah. It's good. Um, play the what? Harmonium. Harmonium. It's kind of like oh. accordion, yeah. Oh. One, uh, one-handed organ. Yeah, by one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, so you, just basically you sing psalms, uh, lots of psalms you sing. Okay. Um, psalms and some songs, and then... Uh, you move into the preaching, and then uh, one of the other things that I personally loved back home was that after the sermon or the message was one song, and it was always was Psalm 72 that we sang, uh, and at the time that was the psalm uh, when people bring, bring their offerings and thanksgivings before. So the, the people, um, so there's a basket going around, you put your money there, but at the same time there's some people that are bringing a jug of milk, Right or um, uh, wheat or flour or whatever or vegetables, for example, whatever they have. If they don't have money, they bring mm-hmm. some other things. So it was a very unique, and then you yeah. end with the Lord's Prayer. Um, so th- that's what service looked like there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the similar elements that that take place anyway. Y- yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I actually really like that idea of people bringing an offering after 
the message because it's a, a sense of a way to respond to the grace that's been spoken of and, and that we hear when the gospel is preached. It's, it's all about grace. Right. And so by the grace of God, we then reflect and practice Mm-hmm. what it is we're being asked to do. And, yeah. and a first step to do, like, like for instance, this weekend, I thought it was appropriate where we do once a month, we have a care offering for the needy right. after the message. And, and I think that's a beautiful way of saying, hey, God's been gracious to me, I shall now practice that as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's, a, it's an offering of worship, uh, even if it's not done in song. I mean, because we get used to the fact that worship is singing. Right. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of it, but it's, there's much more of what worship, and, on the different worship acts, like you mentioned, bringing a jug of milk, or we. this yeah. is an offering of something that's valuable to you, and, and you're giving on behalf of the community or uh, in, in honor of God. This is your act of worship to God, and right. it you know, reflects your sense of community as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we, have, we had a, a listener write in about um, what's called the regulative principle of worship. That sounds fancy. Yeah, so basically the regulative principle talks about how um, in worship services, as the, as the gathered body of believers, when you get together for our corporate gathering, so whatever church you're in, when you get together uh, as in, in your you know, tens or, or hundreds or, or a couple thousand, whatever it is, when your, your body of believers is together to worship, generally on a Sunday morning, what, what governs the way we worship? What governs what we do in our worship services? And the regulative principle says that we can only do what is expressly commanded in Scripture. So things like singing, preaching, praying. But it even talks about, it. even the regulative principle, depending how you interpret it, can even go to such things as, should we use instruments? Should we sit uh, while we sing? Should we stand while we sing? Should we... And all these kinds of things. So the, the listener's wondering uh, where we stand in the, in the use of the regulative principle. Do we believe in the regulative principle? Um, well, the term regulative principle actually seems to be something a little on the restrictive side, but I don't mean that in a negative way. It's setting up boundaries, and I think it's, it's important, as I mentioned before, I mean, what is biblical worship? And biblical worship has at at its center form, but the form comes out of the content. Now, it's interesting when people talk about Christian worship, they'll often look at Old Testament models, and then we really need to be looking at what the New Testament is saying as well. Mm. And there's very few places that anything is commanded of what we are to do when we gather. I mean, you've got Paul writing about a few things to do with the use of the gifts and propriety in worship in 1 Corinthians 11 to 14. You've got um, aspects of encouragement of how the body is to use their gifts together, Romans 12, mm-hmm. things like this. You've got uh, Ephesians 5 saying we are to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, encouraging one another. There's 23 one another's that are commanded in the New Testament, and that's what we are to do when we're one another, exhort one another, correct one another, encourage one another, love one another, all, all this, this act. But I think the core of what we see is more of a model of how the church worshipped more than a command. There's only real two ordinances or orders amongst us of the Protestant wing of the church, which are to do the Lord's table. Jesus commanded us to do this. 
to remember him and to baptize, mm-hmm. right? So those those are the two. And the baptism is the initiation, and as some would say, then the the Eucharist or the Lord's table is the way you participate, the participate participation mm. participation <laughs> in the in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the initiation and the participation. So those are the two real things we're commanded to do, besides love one another effectively mm. and love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So all of the other stuff comes down to cultural engagement in in, in some uh, way, shape, or form. So if you go to a a concert-style worship service in parts of uh, the cities in the United States where they have smoke and lights and uh, fog and stuff going on, and it's looking like a concert or a nightclub, Mm -hmm. some people don't like it. I'm not saying that uh, it is is wrong, and and I think these people are wrestling with... uh, a paradigm that says, how can we utilize elements of culture to communicate what the message will be? So there's an engagement with culture going on, which I think is an important part of it. But it's, you know, that should be balanced against everything else in there. Is the content, is the structure of what we've set up to help the body of Christ worship there as well as just, I mean, are we just putting on spectacle? Mm-hmm. Or are we finding ways for people to participate in the acts of worship? And that should be a bigger question rather than what style of music, what kind of lights, what kind of smoke. So when it comes to regulative principle, I think we have to think, yes, let's look at the scriptures and see how the church worshipped. And right. you know, then we can... Yeah, so generally the other way of doing worship, there's the regulative principle, which some churches try to hold to because they, they will only sing psalms or yeah. they will, uh, they're just very, very rigid in, in the way, the, very restrictive in what they allow to happen in their services. Right. But most churches follow what would be called the normative principle, uh, which basically says that we can do in worship anything that's not expressly forbidden. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a regulative principle that says you have to do only what's commanded, and then there's normative which says you have to do... Or you're allowed to do anything that's not forbidden in Scripture, mm-hmm. which I think is what most of our churches yeah, in the evangelical say, yeah. world, uh, in even in the MB realms, uh, in, in Abbotsford probably, most mm-hmm. of the churches that you'll find, that you'll go to and attend, follow the normative principle because we, when we look in Scripture, when we look in the New Testament, there aren't very many commands, like Johnny was saying. There, all there is is the command to... Uh, to baptize yeah. uh, and to share the Lord's Supper together. Right. But other than that, uh, what do we see? We see what the church did. Yeah. So such as Acts two forty two. Right. Right. Where they get together and they they engage in teaching and yeah. they break bread together. Right. Yeah. And, and they the, encourage one another. With, fellowship. Yeah. And praying. Yeah. Yeah, these are all the elements that we see in our services today, or they, at least they should be yes. in our services today. But uh, th- there has never been, I, even though certain denominations or wings of the church say they have a pure liturgy, and this is the way mm-hmm. it started, and this is the way it should ever be, yeah. I think you'll see that God has used many forms of worship to accomplish His purposes in building His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
Yeah. And a church service in the cities of North America looks a lot different than uh, the cities of Africa or the country sheds of Thailand or, you know, wherever it might be. Wherever the body of Christ is meeting, they're, you know, they're employing their local musical instruments. Uh, they might be bringing their local gifts uh, and things that they've grown, their produce, as acts of, of worship and, and uh, giving. But so it's going to have cultural differences throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, the church has struggled with changing liturgy since the first century, even as the church grew in the geographic uh, near Middle East and Near East. And so very early on, it was a case of what really should our services look like. And it comes down to what, what can you see in Scripture? And, and I like the normative principle in the sense that it gives room to utilize much more of the psalmic, let everything that has breath praise the Lord yeah. idea. You can dance, you can sing, you can play the cymbals, you can play the tambourine, Paul. Mm. You know, and I want to encourage you to lean into that a little more. All right, so, but just not when I'm leading. Okay, okay. Uh, but you know, it's so there's there's many ways and forms. You know, yeah. a, a physical movement, bowing and heads, arms raised. All of these things are biblical actions, and so they right. are affirmed by Scripture, and and even commanded to be joyful, to sing mm-hmm. loudly, you know, to cry out. There's many ways that we are commanded to do this, but I think we have to back away from a, a very structure-heavy idea of God can only be worshipped in this way uh, unless it's prohibited by Scripture. In that sense, I like the normative principle. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think that the even the churches that hold to the regulative principles, so to speak, uh, they do things like they they come into a building, for instance, right. for their worship services, right. and that's not commanded in Scripture. No, uh, they sit in pews, <laughs> they kneel when it's time to pray, um, and, yeah. and all of you know all of these things are are things that aren't you know they have they have electricity in the building they <laughs> there's there's so many things that are part of that worship service that they aren't taking into account so uh, even the ones who think that they're totally being pure like you were saying or totally adhering to the regulative principle they're actually hmm. they're being normative to to yeah. the fact of what is happening in the culture and they're they're accommodating the culture they're using hmm. the language of the culture all of these things which is always a challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you stay true biblically without being syncretistic and, and right. delving into things that are affiliated with worship of another god? Right. 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 Idolatry of some sort. Right. Yeah, so we have a, another question about worship, which kind of segues into that, is about something called Taize worship. Hmm. Do you guys know what Taize is? I am not an expert on Taize worship, even though uh, it was kind of very popular in the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Britain. There was this community in France that people were wanting right. to go and explore, sort of a monastic community where chanting and candles and uh, prayer was an important part of what would happen. It was kind of a loosely done thing, lit- liturgy-less, liturgless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to get the word, yeah. but it was a very loose sense of liturgy. And, and to me, it... It kind of sounds a little bit like how the Quakers would meet, where there was no structure to their meeting. Um, I think that's fine in terms of, uh, as long as the content of what they're doing is appropriate and Mm -hmm. biblical, and they're worshiping Christ and the the triune God, I think that's fine. We're talking here about a style 
of worship. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately what happened was there was a style of music affiliated with Teze worship. What happens is that if you get into Teze worship where you've got concepts of stuff like new revelation, you know, in the quiet, in this meditative time, now the Holy Spirit's going to reveal something brand new to you, I think then we're on dangerous ground. So ultimately right. I'm going to say let's always be pulling back to what the Scriptures have to say. Right, right. Yeah, so the Taizé worship, like you're saying, was brought together uh, in France, and it was a somebody was the the gentleman who found it was looking to bring um, Protestants and Catholics together in a in a way to worship together. Right. And as as he did that, it was they would get together and chant, uh, and they still do. Uh, often, um, I think recently the the Abbey up in Mission held a Taizé mm-hmm. service, actually. Yeah, possibly. Where you go, and uh, I know a gentleman who went, and he said, yeah, you go and you basically just you chant these um, verses or parts of verses over and over. Mm-hmm. And it it's basically this kind of experiential, uh, spiritual situation that they're mm-hmm. going into. Hmm. And so it it definitely is on the contemplative or contemplative, however you're supposed to pronounce that, <laughs> yeah. side of things. Right. It's not, um, they don't focus on any teaching of God's Word. Um, there isn't the sharing of uh, bread at that. Yeah. So so we're missing those four pillars of Acts 2.42 that you right. were talking about earlier. Exactly. So yeah. it's an alternative ty- kind of worship service, but it is not necessarily what should happen at the Sunday or weekend gathering of the people. Right. The weekly gathering of right. the church. Right. So is it part of the Sunday's um Sunday service or is it just like kind of special um, more of a Sunday night some, occurrence a lot yeah. of times. There's probably some places that have that regularly, but yeah. 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 Hmm. I think uh when you mentioned chanting, uh chanting and repetition, there there's biblical precedence for repetition when you read the book of Revelation and the angels are flying around the throne always singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. Sure. You know, so there, there is ample uh, biblical precedence for chanting. But Paul says that we're not to go mindless. We're not to get into a place where we chant and, mm-hmm. and lose ourselves, which is more of a, uh, a Far Eastern mystic principle, right? right. Uh, what we're to do is still, as Paul says, worship in the Spirit and with understanding. Right. Right. Yes, exactly, and with order, mm-hmm. and with uh, for the edification of each other. Right, right. right? It's not so, a personal time. It's not a me and Jesus time with a bunch of right. people in the same room. Yeah, right. Which is how we often view church anyway. As long as I get my me time with Jesus, you know, it's it, we, we need to reconstruct our theology of what church is a lot of times and understand the necessity as all of us being priests in the kingdom of God, royal priests, that we come to minister to God and vicariously in the presence of others to one another. Right. Right. Good. Yeah. So one other question that we had is the um, about Pastor Jeff's sermon a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, when he preached about three the, Ps? the three Ps, yes, um, the three Ps of the Christian life. Yeah. The profession, uh, the practice, and the, the perseverance. perseverance. Correct. Yeah. So... One of the things, though, we had we had a couple of people write in, and uh, I've had other people ask me too. So, while I'm professing, practicing, and persevering, what does that what does that look like? What are some things that I can do to make sure that I am persevering in my faith? And and they're concerned, which which is good that they're that they're soft, their heart soft enough to to want to persevere, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are some practical things that 
that people should be doing to persevere in their faith? Um, Continue to um, meet, uh, I would say, I mean, we're talking about the practical things, continue to meet with um, a group of Christian friends Mm -hmm. um, who can counsel you and uh, help you stay on track. Um, that that's one of the things. Um, keep reading your Bible and try to understand and try to know God. Like, I mean, one of the books, well, J.I. Packer wrote, like, Knowing God. Mm-hmm. One of the best books, like, Knowing mm-hmm. God and Being Known by God. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, these are some of the practical things that we can do right. um, to continue to persevere. Um, I mean, we live in a culture where it is so easy to be distracted and get off the track Um but right. how how do we continue to have our eyes fixed unto Jesus and um, stay on track and persevere in our faith? Right. So if you're yeah. a, if you're a, a a kid, say say a teenager who's come to faith in Jesus, and you're wanting to pursue Jesus, but you're living uh, in Abbotsford here. You're going to uh, I don't know one of the public schools where um, there there aren't a lot of other Christian kids around you. It's hard to find the the Christian community there. Uh, people might find may hear that you're a Christian and ridicule you. You might even have pressure from from teachers talking about things being uh, Christianity being um, you know check your mind at the door, stop thinking right things like that. So for for kids like that, um, how do kids like that? persevere as they're living in that kind of an environment. That's, that's a very similar to my own story when I came to faith as an mm. adolescent uh, in a non-churched home. And uh, I found that being regularly back with believers weekly to learn and to worship and to keep, as, as Robert Weber would say, rehearsing the story of God weekly, kept reminding me what this journey was about, that it's about his story, not my story. It's about the greater story of unfolding in the gospel. And that keeps you rooted in a community. And that's why, uh, Imran, I like what you say about continuing to meet. That's exactly what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I think that's really key. And it goes back to this idea that both the profession— the practice and the perseverance is an ongoing thing. It's not one and then the other and then the final one. It's right. not a sequence. It's a continuous mingling of all three of those things. So when you meet together, you are doing things to profess your faith in the public community. Like mm-hmm. when you take the Lord's elements to get the Lord's table together in the bread and the cup, you're actually saying, I am a believer in Christ. Right. Right? In the same sense as when you were baptized, you made a public profession that said, I am a believer in Christ, and this is your continuing profession mm-hmm. by engaging in public worship with one another. And then this is a way that you practice it by doing. Practicing is activity, and these are acts of worship that you do. And, and the other things that we're commanded to do apart from the community, like you know, serving Christ in acts of mercy and, and justice, these are important things that we take away. So we gather and then we scatter. But it's the perseverance, it's the time scale more than the other two. It's this that long view that this is how we cycle through life. It's a continuous motor. And some people worry about the structure of time, but time is a way we can worship God. Right. God built in structure to our times with daily, weekly, 
ways of remembering him, even monthly ways of remembering him in the feast, the festal calendars that were set up in the Old Testament. And if you observe the church calendar in the New Testament, it's, it's, a, it's a helpful way also of rehearsing the story of God every year. So there's a sense that the perseverance is easier in community than it is on our own. Mm. Right. And I think like totally. one of the other uh, things um, uh, could be done is find someone who's older than mm. us, for example, uh, mature in uh, his or her faith mm-hmm. and meet with them. And like whatever the struggles you face in your daily life, talk to the individual, right? And they, yeah. they, they can counsel you. Like that's Mentorship. Just like, exactly, yeah. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just kind of encouraging you and helping you to continue to push through um, the current uh, situation and circumstance you're in. Did you have some mentors that you leaned on when you were a young a- Absolutely. Um, I, my dad was one of them. Like I, my dad and like we're, mm. we're friends. Like we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about pretty much any and everything. CFL um, football? Uh, no, unfortunately <laughs> not, which I'm glad we didn't talk about that, right? Um, but no, um, my dad and like we'll talk about anything. And then uh, I worked with this guy from England for four years. He was one of my uh, other mentors, a guy named Nigel. Um, has a great... Um, influence on me and like he was a great help in my journey uh in my christian life and then when i moved to even um uh, canada like a number of people uh and i still meet uh people if not every week at least once a month just yeah. to kind of continue to talk yeah. good. Uh, about my struggles so That's that great. helps me to persevere i mean like like i said like the society we live in is easily uh, it's so easy to to be drawn to the other side. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. So yeah, well, I think it's good that we have local people who can mentor us too, wherever right. we are geographically, and that may change over the seasons of our life. Uh, we may have people in ministry that it's easy to connect with over time now over technology. I have two or three mentors uh, who help me in worship ministry that I love to just Skype with and mm. and chat with and bounce things off them, and, yeah. and and they're great. I think that's one great thing about a mentor is they not only hold you accountable to things, they also speak things into your life, the affirmations into your life to encourage you, right? To say, you're good at this, so keep going, you know, like, you know, I believe in you, that kind of a, mm-hmm. an encouragement. We, we need right. those people in our lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, and now we, we so we've looked at the, the, the people that come from the backgrounds, uh, you know, maybe they were the first one to become a believer in their family, or they don't come from a Christian family. Uh, but then you also have people that we see in the scriptures, um, who, such as the Pharisees, right. who would have thought that they were persevering in their faith when really Jesus was, I mean, he spoke such harsh words against them for their absolute self-righteousness right. and for them thinking that they were earning their way into God's pleasure, mm. for instance. So um, what about from that perspective, uh, we have... I think probably one of the the greatest uh, weaknesses or the the tendencies for those of us who have grown up in the church is to uh, is to just because we're coming on Sunday and we are uh, saying prayers before we eat and we're saying prayer at bedtime and we give a little bit of money at church here and there. Right. We think that we're doing the right thing, therefore whatever, and it doesn't really affect the rest of our life. So what kind of a, how does somebody like that, how do we encourage them to persevere, to, to, to start practicing, like, yeah, what you, the things you're doing, you're coming, these are good things to be mm-hmm. doing, to be 
coming and meeting with the body on Sunday. Right. Um, but I, there's there's something going on in the heart that's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, I have been uh, challenged in my faith, uh, in being challenged actually in the last maybe two months, uh, especially like knowing some people and just in my own personal life too. Like my actions should reflect of my faith. Like mm-hmm. I can speak the Christian language. I can be cultural Christian mm-hmm. where I go to church, I give money, I serve in the council of elders, like whatever you name it, right? right? And yet, um, um, I, I'm, I'm not uh, my, I'm, I'm not a Christian that Christ has called me to be. I'm not reflecting Him or representing Him yeah. the way I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, well, how do I continue to persevere in that? Like, be, be yourself, be authentic. You don't need to... Because I think what we try to do is just, like, try to show people... Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I was actually, um, um, I, I won't name it, I was at a um, gathering yesterday and a uh, couple of people who, I would say cultural Christian, mm-hmm. and they're like, one of the girls said like, man, we haven't been to church for the last three Sundays, like we miss church. Uh, the other girl said, well, maybe we should go home and listen um, to a sermon uh, this afternoon and just talk about that. Like, great thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then as I'm there, I'm a just observing like some of the words that come in out of their mouths. I'm like, okay, this is not Christian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? So what you're saying is yeah. that uh, being in the place and doing the things, if it's not transforming into action and, and how your life is showing it, then something's not in the right place. Right. In the mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm challenged always by Romans 12.1, uh, where Paul writes, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, mm. and therefore is there for a reason, when he yes. starts a sentence with therefore. He's talking about God's rich grace and what he has done and accomplished yeah. in us for 11 chapters, and he gets to chapter 12, and he says then, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And mm. do not conform to the pattern of this world. He right. follows on with, right. and so we're we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right. The renewing of our mind should result in different action, thought, right. word. Right. In, so right. in our whole know, life, right. And so we Not need we need God to do a work on the internal man, the mm-hmm. inner man as much as what we do. So it's not the the work. I think is not about what we do; it's what God does in us. If I understand yeah. sanctification correctly, right, right. And I guess that's our practice would show that we're trying to persevere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of a lot of people when you when you grow up and you grow up with the idea that if I just accept Jesus into my heart, then I'm all good. Yeah. You as you grow, you kind of you can easily fall into this idea where it's like, oh, when I was little, I checked the Jesus box, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm going to go to heaven, like no matter what. Right. It's like last minute deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, or it's it's like yeah, fire um, insurance policy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Fire insurance. It's a great way to put it. And I just uh, that's not biblical Christianity. No, it's not. It's a, it's a walk with God, is it not? And, yeah. and I, it's this I, came walk to, I came of, to Christ in that yeah. whole say a prayer mm-hmm. era, and now you're good. So did right? I. Yes. But, you know, the gospel calls us to, to continue to walk in that, and I know that uh, as a teenager, I drifted from that, and confession was an important part of being able to make myself right with God and then knowing that he had forgiven me. Right. And, and I think if we ignore the fact that we keep stumbling in our perseverance, perseverance means we're going to have to hit walls, fall over, and let Heavenly Father pick us up, dust us off, and, and you know, we just make a new start over yeah. and over again. Yeah. 
God is great. Yeah, when we when we when you were young and you accepted Jesus into your heart, or you prayed the prayer, or whatever it was, and mm-hmm. and you look at that, you look back on that. Was repentance and faith involved? Mm-hmm. Like just accepting Jesus, just adding Jesus onto the junk you already have, doesn't do it. You have we have to be repenting and believing. This is the walk of the Christian. Right is to every step is like repent, next step believe, repent and believe, and that's. That's the perseverance that we're looking at. So right. one of the confusing parts theologically in many circles has been that, well, isn't that about our works then? So how do you address that? Isn't that about our works? Yeah, it's me doing something Repenting? to be Repenting? Well, yeah, the, the fact that it's the, the stuff that I'm going to do. But then your works are, are a ref- reflection of God's goodness in you that are producing the yeah. good works then. So as James wrote. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you know them by their fruit. Right. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So when we when we repent and believe, though, we're going to face all kinds of pressures from around us, whether it's f- family pressures, whether it is um, just cultural pressures, or if it's our, even just our own temptations from within ourselves. We're going to face all sorts of temptations to walk away and to stop believing, because mm-hmm. w- the culture tells us that Christianity is silly and. You don't believe, for instance, if you believe in creation, therefore you don't believe scientists and and all sorts of things like this. And so they tell you you're silly and and you should just leave what your parents taught you, leave what your church tells you. And the pressure is there for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we need to be continuing to remain in God's word and to be soaking ourselves in it, knowing and believing, having the faith that, this is true, and that this is God's active and living, living and active word right. that is and penetrating. It, and as Imran our... pointed out, remaining in His people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So as we as we repent and believe, and we meet with other Christians, and all of these things, this is all part of the whole package of yeah. right. persevering. Right on. In our faith. The partnership. Yeah. Well said, Paul. Yeah. 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 yeah you guys too. Thank you. Great. We're so ju- we're just going to take a moment and pat each other on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. yeah. It feels good in here. Thanks, John. It feels good. So much better than the robot. <laughs> Man, I love you guys. That <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> anyway, hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>